Hey there, folks, and welcome to another edition of Eddie and his amazing friends, HeroCast, formerly the Eddie and Caleb HeroCast. Join this week, this week's amazing friend. It's the same as last week's and the same as yesterday, but that podcast is lost in time, unfortunately. It is Simon at SGC, SGC Speaks on Twitter. Thank you for coming back 24 hours later, but uh, unfortunately, technology, that'll happen with podcasting. <laughs> yeah, no problem at all. And thanks again for having me. Now, if, if this is thankfully we're reviewing a great movie, so it's no trouble at all for me to come in and reiterate some of the points I made. Now, if we were reviewing uh, Batman vs Superman or Suicide Squad, the first one, we might have a different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, of all the weeks that this, I and again, I just had to uninstall, reinstall the recorder. I don't know why. It, needed that done it's never acted up like that before but of all the weeks this was the one week where i really did not want that to happen because this week we are reviewing spider-man into the spider-verse and uh, you know i mentioned uh the reason i bring that up is uh we've had a lot of coincidences on this podcast that i mentioned yesterday so but i'll mention them again for the benefit of those who have uh, downloaded this. The Crow, of course, dropped on Halloween week. Couldn't plan that. Uh, the first, I think it was the first Zora movie. Maybe it's the second. Anyway, it dropped uh, the week of January 6th in the opening scene where Zoro stops an election from being stolen, so that was funny. And then last week, we had Aquaman with Jason Momoa, who was in the number one film as of a week ago. I think maybe Little Mermaid dethroned it, but... Uh, this week, didn't plan it, even though uh, I accidentally got the order wrong between this and Aquaman. Uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse dropping, I guess, the day before Across the Spider-Verse, the sequel, releases. So that might be the biggest coincidence we've had. Sounds like a pretty great coincidence to me. Yeah, and I, you know, I didn't didn't plan it. I know I dropped a couple best of episodes a month, two months ago, but. I wasn't even thinking that far ahead, honestly. It just just happened that way. So I'm uh, pretty pleased about that. So hopefully we get a, uh, you know, if you don't have time to rewatch it, which I recommend doing, but uh, if you don't have time to rewatch it, this is definitely uh, your next best alternative, I would say. Absolutely. So diving into the time capsule, champions were the same as last week, so don't need to go over that. The... Um, Number one song, Shake It Off by Taylor Swift and her uh, $900 concert tickets. Uh, let's see. Came out in December of 2018. And uh, I mentioned that uh, this was the Christmas that I got the Spider-Man game for PS4. And uh, speaking of, I think news just came out today, so... Kind of fortuitous, if, uh, if you're a glass-half-full kind of person, that the new Spider-Man game coming out will let you switch between Peter and Miles, and I believe Peter, for at least a part of the game, will have the uh, Venom suit. So, very cool. That is, that is definitely going to be a fun playthrough, especially uh, as a, so someone who has played the Marvel Spider-Man game and the Miles Morales follow-up a few years later. Uh, you can definitely tell that both these movies come out, the, both the movie and the game, comes out around the same time. 
because later on in the film there is literally the suit associated with the Marvel Spider-Man game showcased directly in the movie. So, clever nod, uh, multiverse uh, mayhem. I call it just another another one of the many reasons why the love letters to Spider-Man as a franchise are some of the best you ever see. Yeah, it's uh, I'm 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 thinking the next the next one. I'm hoping it'll be even better. I mean, the early reviews are very positive. Um, we'll get into the numbers here, but uh, I don't expect it to be any worse than this one. It'd be tough to be better, but I, it won't be worse. I don't suspect. Uh, the budget for this film, which, uh, by the way, um, the history of this movie, we both saw it in theaters. I saw it once. You saw it about three times, I think. <laughs> Two or three. Yeah, abs- yeah absolutely. Um, and I didn't expect it. Uh, I didn't get what I expected, but honestly, in a good way. Yeah, I, I thought this would be like a solid like 7 or 8 out of 10, but uh, it did better than I than I anticipated. The box office budget of 80 million, sorry, 90 million. Box office 384.3 million. That's a 294.3 million dollars. 355.5 with the inflation puts it at 46 on the list, right below the Wolverine, right above X2. And um, yeah, I, I we also speculated that the movie that drops tomorrow will do better, just because. Uh, secrets out that this was actually good. It's not just a cartoon movie that you can skip. It's actually uh, really good. So I think this built up enough fanfare over the past five years to uh, get a good turnout this weekend. Absolutely. And it's really interesting how <clears throat> this movie, this movie uh, in, in regards to just the Spider-Man movie franchise really speaks to how people speak about quality and uh, finances because a lot of people will talk about a movie and say if it doesn't make a large amount of money, it's not that popular. But you'll you'll be hard-pressed to find anyone who has a strong negative opinion of this film. And I also find it really interesting about Spider-Man as a franchise, and jumping just a tad bit ahead into the future with this one, that both the highest-grossing Spider-Man film and the lowest-grossing, which is this movie, both deal with Spider-Man in the multiverse. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And uh, as I mentioned uh, yesterday, we since we haven't gotten to No Way Home yet, uh, the current highest-grossing Spider-Man film is Venom. <laughs> Although not by inflation, that would still be the original Spider-Man. Or no, sorry, Homecoming. Wait, no, it's the original Spider-Man. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> With the inflation, it's original Spider-Man. Overall, it's Venom of all things, but that will be dethroned, I suspect. Um. Mentioned reviews, critics 97%, fans 93%, so hard to do better than that. And best animated film at the Golden Globes and Academy Awards. So we got, uh, we finally got a winner of a major, major award. No token nomination, yeah. even though, um, yeah. yeah, it was Benicio del Toro who wanted animated films to be considered for for best picture, which they should be, but. I mean, we both agreed yesterday. The Academy is never going to give an animated one the best film, uh, best picture, because it's beneath them. So that's 
probably why they're not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes the as we all see through these award shows, sometimes they get it right and other times you're crushing their decisions. With this with this award, there's no doubt that they had one of the better films. Um they usually just give it to the popular movie, but with incredible with Incredibles two coming out in the same year, they definitely uh had some steep competition. Also the follow up to uh Wreck It Ralph, Ralph Breaks the Internet came out in the same year. Big competition coming out of this coming from Disney and yet it is Sony that takes the cake. Mm-hmm. I'd be shocked if it didn't win again next year because I'm trying to think what even animated movies coming out this year, like Elemental, which I don't think anyone's that excited about. Um, Not really. (laughs) Which I liked Inside Out, but I think this one might not be very good. I don't know. It seems like Pixar has trouble making money lately. We'll see. Um Oh, I forgot our plugs. Uh, Twitter at EC underscore hero and then Instagram at EC HeroCast. You can always get uh, updates, like I tweeted last night, that the episode will be delayed by an hour. So, or, sorry, a day, not an hour. So if uh, you follow us on Twitter, you already knew that. But if you don't, then you might be wondering, where's this episode? Well, hop on Twitter and you'll uh, you'll be able to see it. Um, you can get into the cast. I mean... You know, we mentioned yesterday it's very star-studded. The only one I wanted to really point out is, uh, it's going to be hard to recreate this rant, but I'll try, it was uh, Nicolas Cage as Spider-Man Noir. And I mentioned, you know, he's unironically my favorite actor because, I mean, he, above anyone else in Hollywood, just gets that movies are supposed to be fun. They're not necessarily for asking these deep questions it's like now people really just want to be entertained at the end of the day and and that's you know he's won an academy over best actor so he's capable of it but he at the end of the day gets that movies are just for fun and to be entertained and that's you're always going to get that in his movies even if it's bad i mean like ghost rider spirit of vengeance caleb and i hated it but Nicolas Cage did make it fun and tolerable. And in this movie, it's like you give him this role of this 1930s superhero that he based on a Humphrey Bogart film. I mean, you could tell he had fun with it. It was He was perfect for it. And, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed him in this. And I don't know if he's going to come back in the hero cast, so figure I'd just get it out now. Yeah. There was a lot of really solid and amazing voice acting, which, which shocks me because usually when these big movies come out, they'll get celebrities to do them to kind of hype up the movie. And sometimes their voices will work. Other times their voices weren't. But here, none of the voices really stood out as problematic or took me out of the movie. I was in thoroughly entrenched with each voice actor that appeared. Um, you mentioned your favorite being Spider-Noir. Mine was uh, John Mulaney as uh, Spider-Ham, which not to take the shine away from the two big uh, characters in the movie, Jake Johnson as Peter B. Parker and Shamik Moore as Miles Morales. Yeah, they were both very good. And I liked the difference, even though Chris Pine and Jake Johnson played the same Peter Parker, you could hear in their voice that one is the more heroic, you know 
well, the Chris Pine one uh, was, you know, the Spider-Man, we suspect, from the Sam Raimi universe. So, uh, you know, he had the, uh, he had Mary Jane, he had, um, you know, he was smart. I don't, they never really went into his finances too much, but uh, I guess he did and he was poor. But in this movie, he is the stoic Spider-Man that everybody loves, whereas Jake Johnson, you know, he's kind of a bum. So he's still <laughs> a superhero, he's still good, but... Uh, and I didn't even notice this on... Uh, on Wikipedia, Chris Pine is his Spider-Man was 26 years old, and Jake Johnson's was 38. So I didn't huh. notice that. That's interesting. But uh, yeah, so that's uh, and and again, you could tell from their voices, even though they were the same person, but not the same person. So I liked that. And yeah, Shamik Moore as uh, Miles Morales, I thought did a really nice job. It's hard to do the high school voice of prepubescent, but he uh, he seemed to do pretty well at that. I thought I bought it. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. I believe that is pretty much everyone. I mean, you know, there's a lot of uh, like you said, big names in here. Zoe Kravitz is uh, a voice for Mary Jane. Uh, Haley Steinfeld as Gwen Stacy, Mahershala Ali as Aaron Davis, all did well. Uh, let us jump into the plot then. So we open with the Chris Pine Peter Parker, giving us a recap of his life. And as I mentioned, he's the Peter Parker. It seems like from the original trilogy, or at least uh, his universe, everything that happened with the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man was very similar to him. They show the Dr. Octopus throwing the taxi into the restaurant. They show him doing the Venom dance, which he wants to forget. So we yeah. suspect it might be the same. <laughs> yeah, they definitely threw in a lot of Spider-Man, uh, previous Spider-Man film references. Uh, even the, even a small Tom Holland reference with the uh, trying to pull the two buses and making sure they don't fall off of the bridge, similar to when uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man was trying to keep that uh, fairy together in Spider-Man: Homecoming. So this they let you know right away that this is a love letter to Spider-Man as a character and to the franchise as a whole. Uh, yeah, pretty much I would say. Then um, we meet Miles Morales. He's a typical high schooler. Lives in Brooklyn. Mom's a nurse, dad's a cop, and he's awkward, but he is very smart, but he doesn't like school. He tries to get kicked out by getting all the questions wrong on a true and false test, which means you also knew the answer to get them all wrong. <laughs> and I think I think I really like how they emphasize that he, he knows he's smart. He, school isn't a problem. It's just he wanted to be in school in his neighborhood. And so he 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 want he, he views himself more as a down to earth type of person I'm guessing, and I think he said in the movie that he thinks the school was elitist. But you but you know how it is when you got uh, parents uh, who want the best for you, they're gonna make you do it, what they think is best whether you like it or not. And you definitely see that on display with uh, his father. 
Yeah, his dad, Jefferson Davis, who uh, embarrassed him as he was going to school for, I don't know if it was his first day, but gets on the loudspeaker says, you didn't say <laughs> I love you. So, Miles also has an uncle named Aaron Davis. Miles likes him, but his dad doesn't seem to like him too much. He's the the black sheep of the family, I guess. And after school, Aaron takes uh, Miles to this abandoned warehouse. He gives him advice on women. gives him terrible advice on women about touching their shoulder and saying, hey, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> um, yeah, he takes him to this abandoned warehouse. They make graffiti art. When there's like a spider that uh, teleports into existence, I guess, and bites Miles, but he just kind of smacks it off and goes about his day. Doesn't really think much of it. (laughs) The next day, though, he exhibits these weird new spider powers. He gets his hand stuck in Wanda's hair. That's uh, his high school crush, by the way. And he can stick to walls. He has other powers, which we will later see. But uh, those are the main ones. And while he's sticking to like the side of a building, and he finally is able to get back into the building, he noticed that he said the exact same thing that Peter Parker said in the first issue of Spider-Man, which was just casually laying there, even though it's like a $25,000 comic. But Yeah, yeah that was kind of bizarre. Because, and make because we later learn that people didn't know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man in this universe. So the question becomes: It did Spider-Man just tell his story to somebody one day and just le- just left out parts that would make him uh, that would identify him? Is this like the Logan, where there are comics about the X-Men or Spider-Man in this case and? They're basically just based off a true story to an extent. But that's that was the that was the most bizarre part I, I saw. But they let you know right away. Don't take everything so seriously in this film. Yeah, no, that's it's a good point. They don't uh, they don't really mention how there's a comic that tells you Peter Parker's Spider Man when no one knows that. But maybe the comic teleported in from uh, from our universe, the one you and I are in right now. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, um, uh, Miles goes back to where the spider bit him, and he examines it, and then it just kind of erases itself from the universe. Then he gets, uh, what did he get? He got, uh, not tele, or they teleported in to another universe, they being, uh, Chris Pine, Peter Parker, and then Green Goblin, who is um, an actual goblin monster, and uh, yeah, they're battling. So yeah, they make it. They they really uh, emphasize through uh, this early scenes. You can really tell where they got their inspiration from. This for those who don't know, the comic book where this universe is somewhat based on is the Ultimate Com- Marvel comic run that they had a couple of years back. In that run, when Peter becomes the Spider-Man and Norman Osborn tries to take the formula, to, takes his blood to to give himself those same powers, and instead he turns into the Green Goblin. Except there, he was just more like a big, 
a bigger uh, man, and in here he's basically a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's, uh, don't mix your DNA up, I guess. <laughs> so, the, um, so Miles is watching Spider-Man fight the Green Goblin. Spider-Man at one point saves Miles and notices that he's got spider powers too, and he says, hey, you know, I'll mentor you and train you after we, you know, stop this, uh, attack. And he's got, uh, Basically, it's a big machine that messes with the dimensional portals. That's why they're there. Incoming, uh, Spider-Man is attacked by the Prowler, who uh, shows up. And during all this, Kingpin, Wilson Fisk, he's watching the battle going on. He fires up his machine, starts warping time and space. Spider-Man is hurt badly by this big explosion. I think uh, Green Goblin died during that. Yep. And... uh, he tells Miles, he's like, hey, you know, don't don't let anyone know who you are. He gives him this drive, this thumb drive, I guess, to disable the collider machine. As uh, Fisk approaches the injured Spider-Man, he says, I know what you're trying to do and it won't work. They're gone. So Fisk kills him. And as that happens, uh, Fisk and Prowler hear Miles escaping, so they send Prowler after him. And Miles escapes, gets back home. Meanwhile, news has caught word that Speed, uh, Spider-Man and Peter Parker are both dead. So, R.I.P. to a real one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, this this is pretty much exactly what happens in the uh, Ultimate Marvel run, if I'm not mistaken. At a certain point, uh, Peter that version of Peter Parker dies and. Miles Morales later develops these same powers and the torch is passed. And I like that they did that here, but they made it abundantly clear that Miles was not ready to hear that when he was given all this information. Even, um, and you you can really tell that (laughs) Peter was trying to rush as much information as he could in that, in the 30 seconds he had to talk to Miles about, what being Spider-Man was like, what he needed him to do, and to make sure that he stops Kingpin or that else everyone else would die. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> really, uh, you, you, yeah, pretty, I'm pretty sure he knew that he was done for. Oh, yeah. That's why he told Kingpin at the very end, like, they're not coming back. <laughs> uh, it is funny that they told everybody that Spider-Man and Peter Parker are dead because I remember in a I don't remember which one but there was a Batman where he died and they decided not to remove his mask and respect his anonymity although I think people would figure it out when Bruce Wayne is also gone missing I think you're talking about uh, the Dark Knight Rises Uh, well not the movie it was uh, oh a comic yeah I Hmm. I mean he's died in a few of them so it's I don't remember but I do remember the uh, I don't I forget what it was called. It was an animated Spider-Man. It wasn't very good. They went to like it was Spider-Man. He went to like an alien planet or something, and uh, he gets on like this uh, when he's aboard the rocket to go off into space. He's like he tells everybody as Spider-Man like, "Hey, I'm uh, Spider-Man. I'm leaving. Sorry." And then he's like, "Oh, better cover for Peter too." And then he changed his voice. He's like, oh, 
I'm Peter Parker, and I'm going with Spider-Man. And, uh, I mean, I'm a reporter. Why wouldn't I go into space? It's like, I'm sure no one will be able to crack that code. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Peter, uh, Peter and uh, Spider-Man both dead. So, um, yeah, they send Prowler after him. Um, oh, yeah, I already said that. Um, so... Miles buys a uh, Spider-Man costume. A lot of people are buying these Spider-Man costumes. But he buys it from Stan Lee, who says uh, that he'll miss him. Extremely sad, considering he would he would die either either later in this year or early in 2019. And it's really interesting that his last cameo in a, in a Spider-Man movie uh, was this one. But more importantly... His, his upcoming last cameo was in Avengers Endgame. So he is both last featured in one of the best comic book movies, considered by many to be one of the best comic book movies, uh, for featuring Spider-Man. And with the MCU, he's featured in the most financially successful comic book movie of all time. Yeah, I mean, coming up on the final Stan Lee cameo. And to think, the first one was him reading... The uh, opening monologue to Toxic Avenger. <laughs> uh, so at the eulogy or the funeral or whatever, uh, Mary Jane, she shows up. She says, we are all Spider-Man. And this is where Miles is like, oh, she's counting on me. And the guy next to him is like, I don't think she means you specifically. It's more of a metaphor. <laughs> Little did he know. So, later on, Miles looks at uh, Peter's grave when he's approached by another Peter Parker, who Miles zaps with his electric shock. That's one of his other two powers that he has. But this Peter tells us a little bit about him. He's not as heroic as the dead Peter Parker. He's divorced, broke, and slightly out of shape. Lives in a dumpy apartment, it seems. (laughs) Yeah, they really... He's... I think you already said older, but they really want want you to get the emphasis and the differences between the two. Whereas Peter Parker of this universe is younger. Like you said earlier, he's he's a little bit more hopeful. He feels more heroic. This uh, this uh, Peter B. Parker is just basically done with being the hero. Uh, his, his life is a wreck. He he married Mary Jane, lost Aunt May lost his money and divorced Mary Jane all because she wanted kids. Yeah. And you can really tell when he got to this universe, he was, he just, he, he probably felt even worse knowing that there was another version of himself who, despite the setbacks, managed to keep the pieces together. Yeah, well, it kind of reminded me of, um, in the series finale of the animated Spider-Man, there's like the one rich Peter Parker and in that in his universe, Uncle Ben didn't die, so it's like he had everything. So that was interesting. Uh, so he, the uh, the new Peter, he mentions how he got transported to this world and everything was different, but not quite different. And then we get a scene where Miles is dragging unconscious Peter through the streets of New York. It's very funny. And then once they get somewhere safe, Miles determines that he's from a parallel dimension where everything is the same but slightly different. And this new Peter Parker doesn't want to help Miles, and his body is glitching because he's in the wrong dimension. 
And I mentioned that uh, I don't suspect that this is something that they will explore in the Morbius movie with Vulture. <laughs> Even though he's in the wrong dimension. <laughs> yeah, the less said about that one, the better. But uh, I think I find it really interesting that he says, uh, the li- first the line, don't watch the mouth, watch the hands. And then when, he's, when Miles mentions that everyone will die if he doesn't stop the collider. <laughs> Uh, Peter B. Parker says, there's always a little bit of time before everybody dies. And that's when I do some of my best work. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I also like the other line about the whole uh, override key, <laughs> what, he, what he calls a goober. It's like, there's always a goober, some override key, something that needs to be plugged into something. Really emphasizing that he's done this a thousand times before. He's not even phased by hearing that there's an override key. He's like, oh, you got one? Give it here. Well, yeah, and that's... Uh... I'll mention it now, but the the chip that he had it gets fried when uh, Miles shocked uh, New Peter. So, yeah, Miles uh, tells Peter about the collider, and that's the uh, gives him the flash drive, but it's fried. And Peter finally agrees to train Miles after he guilt trips him, but it's not great advice. It's just baby powder and clean your suit, and you know. But uh, he does come up with a plan to infiltrate the lab, get like a new uh, flash drive, I suppose. And Peter sneaks in to the lab, but Miles sees Kingpin and Tombstone show up. So Miles goes in to warn Peter, so then they end up both sneaking in. This is where Miles discovers that he can turn invisible, which uh, none of the other Spider-Men can do. And... (laughs) Peter, meanwhile, distracts this scientist uh, who's, like, examining him. And Miles gets the hardware, but the scientist examining Peter is actually... I think we determined maybe Dr. Octopus's daughter, but it's a female Dr. Octopus, either way. Yeah. Yeah, she attacks both of them. We also see that uh, Wanda works at this place, so keep that in mind. There's, there's, there's so many things to talk about, even from those, uh, what is that, like 10, 15 minutes? Yeah. I appreciate the comic book panel transitions they do here, because it reminds me immediately of the 2004 Hulk movie, and how they had the right idea, and I, you could see what they were going for, but it just didn't work with the medium they were given. It, it looked incredibly stupid, especially with the death of that uh, one scientist whose name we forget. But if you, but you know, everyone knows exactly what we're talking about with the whole flame transition, (laughs) freeze frame. (laughs) Um, Then they also they really uh, utilize the sunflower song by Post Malone and Sway Lee and and really incorporate it into the actual uh, movie. He hums it. Miles is humming it when he's introduced, and he's humming it when he's trying to relax from sticking to the ceiling. And it's funny I mentioned that song because. If I recall correctly, it's become their, uh, it becomes the, I think it's the highest certified single in U.S. RIA history. And to put that in layman's terms, the song has been, went platinum like 18 times. Goodness. <laughs> um, and I also just want to really just point out, I was completely shocked by the Olivia Octavius reveal. I knew she was going to be some villain once she said, I can't wait to watch. I was like, oh, so she's a bad guy. And they said, and then they said Oct- Olivia Octavius. 
and I, my mind was completely blown. Anything yeah, I, I expected to understand from this movie, I just immediately just got was like, you know what? Stop trying to guess. Just enjoy the ride. Yeah, I had forgotten that she was a Doctor Octopus too, so that was a good surprise. <laughs> uh, well, Peter and Miles they uh, they try to escape, and um, Miles does get like a brief uh, web slinging tutorial from Peter. So, I mean that's uh, that's good. But Doctor Octopus catches them. But she is stopped by Spider-Woman. Except it's Wanda, but not really. It's Gwen Stacy. So she drops her origin, which is similar to Peter's, but except her Uncle Ben is Peter Parker. He is dead. He was their best friend. They get used to that. There's a lot of Uncle Bens in this movie. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, and... I found one of the most interesting aspects about Spider-Woman is that in her backstory, Peter Parker becomes the lizard. Yeah. And I think, and I'm pretty sure there's a Spider-Woman spinoff that's coming out at some point. So we're definitely going to, I hope they really dig into that because that sounds very interesting. I think it's teased in Madam Web. I don't Hmm. know if we'll get that or not. Um I'll tell you, a Spider-Man or a Spider-Woman better be in that Madam Web movie, because that just screams it's going to be a money loser. They better have a, a Spider-Person in that movie. <laughs> That's all I'll Absolutely. say. If, if you go in expecting Madam Web to draw money, you will be sadly mistaken, I think. So, uh, yeah, it's Gwen Stacy, and her origin is that Peter is, is dead. And she mentions that she got transported. She posed as someone named Wanda, uh, pretended to have a crush on Miles. And she got there about a week earlier before the rest, which we'll get to in a few minutes. But, yeah, she's been there, got to integrate into school a little bit, and got a job, apparently. <laughs> so we cut to Kingpin. And the people he wanted to bring back was his wife, Vanessa, and his son, they had died in a car wreck. They had drove off after seeing him fight Spider-Man because I guess they didn't know he was a criminal or something. And Fisk's asks uh, Dr. Octopus why there's more Spider-Men. And she says it just means that the collider works, but we'll just have to kill a few of them, and then we can bring them back. So the three Spider-People, they go visit Aunt May, and May right away knows that this Peter's from an alternate dimension. And Miles asks May where they can get this other flash drive, and she takes him to Peter's underground lair, which uh, is super, super sophisticated for just a random house in Queens. But we, uh, we see the reason May knew that Peter was from another dimension, why she knew that right off the bat. It's because there's other spider people who have already... Drop by May's house. It's nice to know that May lives at the same ad- address in every dimension. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even, uh, but yeah, I want to draw a little bit of attention to that uh, underground layer thing. Yeah, it's like 50 feet deep. <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing I, I really struggled to get. I was like, okay, clearly Tony Stark, who else is rich in Marvel? Tony Stark and Doctor Doom both owed him a favor or something. Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> I wouldn't mind it if it was just a basement, but all right. Uh, so we meet the other Spider-Men. There's a Spider-Man Noir from 1932. There's Penny Parker, who is uh, 
she's has a psychic link with a robot. She's an anime girl, and her robot is uh, SPDR. And then we have uh, Peter Porker, who is a pig, an animated pig. (laughs) And then he was of all the organs we got, he was the sorry about that. Of all the organs we got, he completely took me off guard. I was like, they're not seriously doing this. Even in the teaser, I didn't believe they were doing it for real. And then I saw him, and he was honestly one of my favorite parts of the movie. Yeah, that could have easily gone south when you think about it. (laughs) Like, we're going completely cartoonish. That could have easily not worked out, but they made it work. Uh, The other spider people, they don't have much faith in Miles. uh, But he says, hey, I'll get you guys home, but... You know, he doesn't have a lot of experience. He doesn't, he can't activate his powers on command. Then Miles just kind of slinks off and goes to his uncle Aaron for advice. Except he catches his uncle coming home. His uncle is the Prowler. Which, if you played the game, you knew that. But, uh, yeah, I liked the idea that uh, Prowler is related to Spider Man. And I wish they had done that. I mean, maybe they still will. But uh, Donald Glover was teased as the Prowler and the Spider-Man Homecoming. But so far that has yet to be paid off. So neither has Scorpion. He has not been paid off either. But we'll see. So Miles goes to Aunt May to tell him that his uncle is the Prowler. Meanwhile, Penny Parker has used her robot to rebuild a new chip for the Collider. But... Miles was followed by Dr. Octopus Tombstone Scorpion, who wears, it's like a half scorpion, half man. I I do hope if they do do Scorpion, it's not that. Uh, but Prowler's also there. And they have this big battle, pretty much destroying Aunt May's house. <laughs> and Miles gets the new chip as Prowler chases after him. Yeah, I found it really interesting that they didn't take this opportunity to have them fight, have the Spider Gang fight the Sinister Six. And, because it seems like this would be the perfect movie to do it. We, we're already familiar with a bunch of his villains, because we've, we've obviously watched the previous movies, and, and they referenced at least two different Spider-Men. So I'm surprised we didn't see just a little bit more coming out of this. And uh, speaking of the fight in the house, <laughs> one of my favorite bits is that when we just see everybody fighting and breaking stuff just because they're fighting and crashing into stuff. Then you see Spider-Pig just crack a plate off his, <laughs> off his head. Just because. Yeah. Uh, so I mentioned Prowler. He's chasing Miles. And he finally catches him on a roof. And he's about to kill him when Miles takes his mask off. So Prowler stops. Fisk radios in telling him to finish the job. Prowler kind of like pulls the mask back down, which I thought was a nice touch because he doesn't want to think about the fact that he's about to kill his nephew. But he can't do it. He can't bring himself to do it. So Kingpin just shoots him. And... There's always an Uncle Ben. Mm-hmm. So Miles pulls his uncle to safety, and Aaron tells him, you are the best of us, keep going, and then dies. And just then, Miles' dad shows up. He sees that someone dressed like Spider-Man is standing over Aaron. He turns invisible. He runs off. Then his dad uh, sees his brother is dead and puts out an APV for Spider-Man. Yeah, they did a pretty good job setting up 
Officer David Officer Davis's dislike of Spider Man. Uh, he mentions it in the car ride with Miles earlier, when Miles sees uh, Spider Man and the during that explosion and comes back to his house. He asks his dad again if he really dislikes Spider Man, and he says it again. So now, knowing that his fa- that his father thinks that he's he's responsible for his uncle's uh, death. While feeling guilty for his uncle's death, is probably layers of trauma. <laughs> it's, it's it's really sad, honestly. Yeah, and he's um, it is weird. He's wearing a store bought Spider Man outfit, so I don't know why you would necessarily think that uh, that was the real Spider Man. But it'd be like if uh, if if the the lady from the movie The Town hated nuns because a nun. Or a criminal dressed as a nun robbed her bank. Ben Affleck as a dressed as a nun. I don't know. Uh, but uh, the Spider People they uh, talk to Miles. They all know how he's feeling. They all have their own Uncle Ben. Uh, the uh, Peter Parker he tells Miles he's not ready. He ties him up. He says, uh, "When will I be ready?" And it's like you won't know. It's a leap of faith. And as Miles is tied up, his dad talks through him through the door. Miles kind of gets like his pep talk, I suppose. He uses electricity to cut through the webbing, and he realizes he can use his powers on command now. So he grabs a spare suit from the spider lair, paints it black. He catches up, well, almost catches up with the spider people. They're about to sneak into the Spider-Man benefit thrown by Kingpin. And this is where uh, Peter Parker... Well, actually, before we do that, we discovered yesterday there's never been a bad Kingpin. Um, Even in the bad movie, uh, like Daredevil, Michael Clark Duncan, I thought was a good Kingpin. And uh, the animated Spider-Man was a good Kingpin. Vincent D'Onofrio is a great Kingpin. Lee Schreiber, we really like, is the voice of Kingpin. So, Yeah, What I appreciate the most about each of his appearances in different mediums is at the very least they understand that the character is uh, is a generous uh, man of the people by day and is a criminal by night. So his public facing appearance is that of a donator, a builder, someone who comes into communities to help, to refurbish, to rebuild. He he cares about the city and he's this great guy, which is why he's having the benefit in Spider-Man's honor, cl- claiming that they were close friends. Meanwhile, we all know that he's responsible for his death directly in more ways than one. Because the last he's the one who gets the final blow on him. But no one else knows that except the people involved. Yeah. Um, t- touching back on uh, Miles coming into his own as his powers. It was a really great sequence with that with the song "What's Up, Danger." When he was learning how to use his powers earlier, he went to he saw a tall building, went to a shorter one, fell down, cracked the uh, override key. But here, he jumps off the tallest building he can find. Wet finds his uh he webs himself back up and starts swinging around just as gracefully as everybody else. And really just coming into his own as the new Spider-Man for this New York. And 
one more thing I wanted to add was just the fact that um, I thought it was really interesting that when he when Miles was falling off the building, the audio was falling with him, and as he's rising, as he's swinging up, the audio comes up with him. It was honestly probably my favorite sequence in the entire film, with one that will be that's pretty close to it, and I'll get to it when it comes up. You know, I just thought of something. Only one person has done a live-action Kingpin and voice for Kingpin, which was Michael Clark Duncan in the uh, MTV Spider-Man show, which is super underrated, but only one season, sadly. Hmm. So there's. I always bring that up whenever I get a chance. and uh, <laughs> I've been made fun of for it, but that's okay. I don't mind. Um... So, yeah, there's this big, uh, big party. The waiters are all wearing Spider-Man masks, which is, you know, not the best taste, but whatever. And the spider people determine they can sneak in very easily because of that. And this is where Peter meets uh, MJ, and he uses the opportunity to apologize, even though he's, she thinks he's talking about not having bread at the table. So that was pretty funny. Uh but below the party is the room with the collider. They fire it up, looking for Kingpin's wife and son. Uh, time and space start warping again, and Peter Parker determines he'll sacrifice himself to blow up the collider. Uh, the villains all show up to stop them, just as Dr. Octopus is about to kill Peter. Miles shows up and stops her. And uh, yeah. during this, uh, Penny's robot gets uh, damaged, which makes her sad. That's disappointing. Yeah, they set up that uh, the psychic link that she had was with, was was not only just with the robot but with the, uh, the the spider, but the robot itself was built by her father. It took me a second watch to really understand that point, and I feel like they her character is probably the only one who needed a little bit more development for that to really stick. But I think it gets its point across relatively well. I also had just one weird question I needed to get answered. Why did MJ attend the memorial, the little dinner they had? Because are we to believe that? Because are we to believe that Peter only talked to Aunt May about his spider stuff? Because she knows that she knows that he was Spider Man, and I'm sure she knew a few of his villains. So why would she attend that event? They never really made that clear. It's relatively minor, and it's probably one of the one of two contrivances that happen in this movie that don't make any sense because you would think that the spider themed wait staff would not come back into play for anything else, but it actually explains one of the reasons why his father, uh, Miles's father, officer Davis is there. He's putting an APB out on Spider-Man and he figures that there's a chance he might be able to get wind of him if he goes to that event because uh, there are a bunch of people dressed like Spider-Man. And they know for a fact that there are Spider-Man in town who are doing things because he was on he found Uncle Aaron chasing down the Spider-Man who was in that battle at Aunt May's house. There was really great writing in this movie and better than a lot of people, I think, even recognize. Yeah, the only way to answer your question would be if Peter never told Mary Jane that uh, Wilson Fisk is the kingpin. I think that would. I don't know. To me, that would be the only reason. But um, the other thing I I meant didn't mention this yesterday, but I will today. Uh, 
I did not know this, but uh, Penny Parker was originally going to be Silk, who is another spider person. It's a Korean-American Spider-Man, well, Spider-Woman. But they opted with uh, Penny Parker just because she's different enough. Um, I I, kind of hope in the movie tomorrow, I know we're getting, I, I, I read a couple of the spider people we're getting. Obviously, we're getting Gwen again. We're getting, uh, I think there's a pregnant Spider-Man, or Spider-Woman, sorry. Um, I hope, I don't know if they will, I would like to see the Japanese Spider-Man from the 70s who uh, shoots criminals with a gun and has a robot suit. (laughs) I would like to see him show up. I don't know. You can watch some of those on YouTube. It's very funny. Um, So hopefully we get the Japanese Spider-Man. So... Yeah, the uh, as I mentioned, the uh, the robot Spider-Man is uh, is no more. And uh, at this point, let's see. Oh, they they mention uh, because the Collider is um, they've located Fisk's family, and the Collider is going crazy. It's bringing in buildings and trucks and trains and everything. And we I think we determined yesterday they might in. They might have only survived in one universe, so that's why it had a trouble finding them. And it's bringing them through the portal. Yeah, it, de- it definitely took a long time. Yeah, so at one point they're like, this fight with Dr. Octopus is going to be tough, and then she's run over by a semi, so she's gone. <laughs> uh, I think uh, yeah, Scorpion also had an anvil dropped on his head by uh, Por- uh, Peter-, Peter Porker, so he's gone too. Uh, yeah, not after saying that's all, folks. Yeah. Which led to a pretty interesting fourth wall break. Is he allowed to say that? Like, <laughs> legally? Um, I don't think Spider-Man Noir got to kill anybody. He should have killed Tombstone. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, so Miles then uploads the drive into the collider, disables it. Miles opens up a portal. Penny goes in first, then Spider-Man Noir with his Rubik's Cube to bring it back. Uh, then finally, uh, Gwen goes through, but she, they, her and Miles agree to be friends, so he got friend-zoned. Sad. <laughs> and Peter's about to go back, but Kingpin shows up. Peter won't let Miles fight Kingpin, because he knows he'll lose, because Kingpin is very strong and an excellent fighter. And in this universe, he's like nine feet tall, and, like, super wide. But yeah. he uh, he also was glitching out, and he he can't stay in this universe. So uh, my, uh, Peter says that he won't let a Spider-Man die, but Miles says I can't let a Spider-Man die either. So he sends Peter back. So it's down to just Miles and Kingpin. They battle. Yeah. They're in like a subway uh, car that came through. He's about to kill him when the wife and son. They warp in, but they see what's happening, and it's deja vu. They leave again. <laughs> <laughs> it's unavoidable. Yeah. There's, there's, again, this movie has so many things you could just spend hours breaking down. Um, I'm not obviously not going to do that, but I, I am going to touch on, first of all, I really like the relationship they developed between Peter B. Parker and Miles, because, as I said earlier, one of the things that was a deal breaker for him and MJ was that she wanted kids and he didn't and that scared him 
But basically, he spends this entire time mentoring Miles, watching him grow and develop as Spider-Man, and to an extent, as a young man, and then seeing him go from not being able to do anything as a Spider-Man to being just as graceful and just as strong and uh, acrobatic as everybody else in the room leads him to say, I'm so proud. I love you. I'm so proud of you. Do I want kids? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Another thing that I really like is that they they kind of tease that in one universe, there's a dare. There's a Matt Murdock who's Kingpin's son. But more interestingly, I find it's really that, uh, the movie started with uh, uh, Miles having to trust Peter B. Parker, and Peter B. Parker sent home having to trust Miles. He's unsure of whether he can fix his life, but if he if, if Miles can take a leap of faith and still be fine, he should still be fine too. And then right after that, it's Kingpin who loses his fa- family the, in the multiverse the same way he lost it in his universe. A lot of great callbacks and uh, Chekhov's gun being fired in this movie is really, really good. Yeah, this was um, the fact that his family saw Kingpin beating up Spider-Man and ran off again. This is, I believe they called it in the What If show, an absolute point in the timeline that cannot be undone, even though Doctor Strange tried and turned evil. Um, That was the best episode of What If, I would dare say. and uh, I I agree. Yeah, so that would be an absolute point where Kingpin loses his family no matter what. Uh, And um, what was I... I was going to add something to what you said, and now I don't remember. Oh, well. I did did say a lot. (laughs) Uh, Well, definitely about the, uh, the absolute point I wanted to touch on, but... Um, so Miles' dad, Jefferson, he shows up, uh, Kingpin, and Miles continue to fight. Kingpin says, you took my family, I'm gonna make sure you never see yours again. Miles then gives him the, uh, the shoulder tap, says hey, and zaps Kingpin with the electric shock. Stops the collider, restores the universe back to normal. I thought it was very interesting, because his father is there during the battle, or, or at least when it's down to Miles and Kingpin. And so when 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 Kingpin thinks he's about to kill Spider-Man, he hits him with the same move that killed Peter Parker. But of course, uh, Miles seems to be has the potential to be a lot stronger than everyone. And also, he didn't have a massive explosion and a bunch of metal hitting his face like uh, like his universe, Peter Parker did. And so it's his father who encourages him to get back up. And it's really his uncle, Aaron. <laughs> who delivers the final blow on Kingpin through Miles, in a way. Yeah, Miles is hes least experienced, but he's probably the strongest of all the Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Spider-People. I don't know. Although, we'll see. <laughs> we we got, we got plenty more next, uh, tomorrow. We'll see. Um, so, uh, afterwards, Miles... He's dressed as Spider-Man still, but he meets his dad. We kind of get the idea that his dad probably knows that that's Miles, but he knows he didn't kill his uncle. Uh, I don't know. It's not clear, but we'll find again. We'll find out tomorrow if if he knows. But it's kind of implied that he did know that his son was Spider-Man. It, and it'd be see, hard to miss it, given the hug he gave him. 
Yeah, that is true. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. Um, when you mentioned the Daredevil working for the Kingpin, that was also in a what if, if uh, Daredevil was employed by the Kingpin. I think that was that was a good one. Uh, so we also see in the other dimension, Peter, he's going to go make up with Mary Jane with some flowers. And she, and they don't see him making up, but she seemed happy to see him that he was there. So that's a good sign. Uh, yeah, with a slight, uh, given the slight uh, intro to how they how their life to panned out in across the Spider Verse. Uh, yeah, she was very happy to see it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't like an Eddie Brock and Anna situation from Venom, where she was like, uh, "Why are you following me?" <laughs> um, meanwhile, Miles he's decided he's going to take on responsibility as this universe's only Spider Man, and he goes to lay down in bed. When a portal opens up above his head, it's Gwen on the other side, and she contacts him and says, hey, if you've got a minute, so it's implied that she has a way to now travel in between dimensions. We roll credits, but of course, we wait. um, Because meanwhile, in Nueva York, a woman, we don't see who, she explains about the multiverse to somebody. That somebody is Miguel O'Hara. Spider-Man 2099, who gets a bracelet to transport um, to other dimensions. He goes back to the beginning, which should have been Spider-Man Noir, but it's not. It's a just a Spider-Man trying to stop a random bank robber, and then we get the Spider-Man point meme. It's very funny. And, uh, yeah, that is, uh, that is it. And uh, Spider-Man 2099 is going to be a big part of uh, the movie that comes out this week. Um, I don't know if he's... I don't think he's a villain. He's just more of a problem. <laughs> I think is how that goes. Yeah. Again, there are so many things that are just packed into this movie. Like I said earlier, Odyssey Davis clearly has that problem with Spider-Man. But once he sees that he's basically the only thing between us and some. Uh, uh, between people in Annihilation, he learns to respect him as a hero in his own right. No, I I think he said he did like his cereal, so there was always a little bit of uh, a, a potential for him to turn around on that. But in, but it's crazy that he gets to make up with his son in two different ways, and I'm really interested to learn whether or not he knew what who that who that was. Um. Yeah, and like I said, it's got my favorite quote in the movie where it says, anyone can wear the mask. You could wear the mask. If you didn't know that before, you do now. Because I'm Spider-Man. But I'm not the only one. It's a good quote. It is. And uh, I forgot to mention the uh, the end uh, one of the end credit scenes of Venom after the carnage teaser was the peter being dragged behind uh miles through the subway and through the streets of new york so we got a uh, a rare trailer at the end of a uh movie so that was uh that was something so i'm sure there'll be post-credit scenes in the movie tomorrow in fact let me look it up now and uh while you give your score even though i already know what it is <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's very rarely that I see a movie that I have little to no f- problems with at all. 
but this was, in my opinion, one of the greatest comic book movies of all time. It had amazing animation. They were so it took a crew of over 140 animators to make this film. There was differences in animation even throughout the film because Miles was animated at 12 frames per second. Spider-Man was animated at 24 frames per second. Um, and those and that mattered because it showed that Miles was a little rough around the edges with his powers and his abilities while Peter Parker was extremely comfortable. Um, so many different layers to, to how great this movie was. Characterization, the music, the fact that the Sunflower song from this film has become a certified single a hit that went platinum 18 different times really shows you how much this movie has grown in terms of the audience it, it garnered after its release. It might not have been the most profitable initially when it came out, and it probably still is the lowest grossing, but I think this did a lot. It just added to the already existing goodwill that exists for this character. There, most of the most of the bad parts of this movie are minor inconveniences that you really that you really could call just nitpicks. So I'm gonna give this movie a ten out of ten. Mm, big score. And by the way, this is a not a spoiler. Uh, it says here in the end credits of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Uh, after the first three and a half minutes of the credits, there is a scene. It says it isn't exactly an extra scene or anything new, but it's worth watching. So that's all it says. So. Hmm. And then after the credits, actually, let me see. I think it might just be the animation of the credits. It runs for three and a half minutes, but it's worth watching. And then at the end of all the credits, it says Spider-Man will return in Beyond the Spider-Verse, which we already knew that they made these movies back-to-back. Still, five years in between movies. I know they delayed with COVID and everything, but uh, it takes a while to make these. (laughs) Uh, Even if COVID delayed it by a year at the most, which it's animated, so you could probably still do a lot, you know, not going into the office. But uh, still, four years is a while. But they did make two, so that's cool. Uh, I'm going to give this movie a nine and a half. It's uh, really, really good. A few of the nitpicks you mentioned, but uh, yeah, this was uh, 2018 was uh, peak superhero year. I mean, just the lowest scored movie was Venom at six and a half. So uh, we were so spoiled in 2018. Yeah. Infinity War, which got double tens, Black Panther, eight, eight and a half, Um, Deadpool two, eight, eight and a half. Incredibles 2, 8.5 and a 9. Ant-Man and Wasp, 7.5 and, and 7. I mentioned Venom was a 6.5. Aquaman, 7 and 8. So, yeah, this was... What was the year we determined was the bad one? Was it 2016? I think. Uh, uh, no, it was, uh, it was earlier than that. It was whatever 2004? Year. Well, 2000... Yeah. Yeah, I think it was... Or no, maybe it was 2013. Um, yeah, it was 2013. That was the year that was gotcha. uh, the opposite of this, because 20, 2013 had a uh, GI Joe Retaliation, just a four and a half and three. Iron Man three got a six and a half and five and a half. Man of Steel two six and a halfs. Lone Ranger 
double threes. The Wolverine, which was good, eight, 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 eight and a half, and a six and a half. Kick-Ass 2 is a five and a four. And Thor Dark World, five and a half, six. And then, just to make matters worse, RoboCop kicked off 2014. The two and a five. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, it was rough. But 2018 <laughs> is good. We're rolling into 2019 next week with Glass. It's been too long since... Uh, Gosh, how many weeks has it been? One, two, three, four, five weeks since we've had Samuel L. Jackson on the podcast. That's way too long. So he'll be back next week. Fortunately, you have to buy it on Prime, Google, whatever you want. I'll probably rent it from the library. But yeah, that is next week to kick off 2019. 2019. Glass, the conclusion of the Unbreakable trilogy. So, the M. Night Shyamalan superhero uh but yeah that is uh that was spider-man into the spider-verse hope you uh enjoy the next movie uh across the spider-verse so i got my tickets i'll be there tomorrow i knew you will as well and we well, will not, uh, well not tomorrow for me but uh, i'm definitely going to see it this weekend so. Yeah, well, good. I mean, as long as it's over the weekend, I uh, I don't like to. If it's a movie like this, I know it'll be spoiled if I wait too long, so I don't want that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and without with that being said, I'll get out of here on a quote from Spider-Man Noir. <clears throat> That's a pretty hardcore origin story. Takes some getting used to. Chain snatching, ain't have it, gotta get it. Saint from Brownsville, the brain British. Fatherless child, mama put double shit. So the number runners was the only one to hang with it. Before you know it, I'm in the game, bang fit it. Fit no orangutans, pity old kid apps like oranges. I'm dangerous. Tell me what the name of this. Depend. Lucky me, lucky lead, they didn't get me. Now when I bring the nets, I'm the black branch Ricky from Brooklyn Corners. Burning branches of th- 
Red Love, Biggie, Brooklyn, Hippie, I pity the fool with jewels like Mr. T with no history in my barrow. They borrow with no intentions of returning tomorrow. The sun don't come out for many like Annie. Half often, mama never had an abortion. Papa sort of did. Still, I managed to live. I go hard. I owe it all to the crib. Now, please tell me, what the f harder than this? Warning, gonna make you 